What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church, they get together in a dank basement on a Monday and talked about, uh, we get together and talk about what happened on Sunday. That's Mm. why we call it on Sunday. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. And Aaron, you just got back from, you're refreshed. Some vacation time? I'm actually depressed. Depressed. (laughs) I have, uh, I I think I even said this exact same thing last year because I got ridiculed for it, but I I relate it to postpartum depression. Oh, no. (laughs) Someone didn't like that? Some, some, uh, and I don't, I'm not saying it's the same. Edit that out, Cody. Relating it to that experience of you you build it up in your mind i'm going hunting right and you think about it all year long and then when it's and then when it's gone you know what i mean when it's like hunting season's over and you're like i gotta wait another year and and i didn't get anything you know you're just like you're depressed yeah for it honestly for like a month i'll I'll just be depressed about it well studies do show that uh like the pain of going on a hunting trip and (laughs) and not getting something it is literally worse (laughs) than the the pain women experience in childhood i read i read that in a study recently i disavow (laughs) that is that is completely untrue Uh, my bad. That is untrue. <laughs> I I mean, some guys, you know, I mean, when you have the itch to finally like get like when you like hunting or whatever it is, like people who like it just they understand what I'm saying. Like you're just you you throw everything into this. Like yeah, I sat in a tree stand by myself for hours and hours and hours all week long, and you wake up at four in the morning and you're there till dark and you just. It's so, you just put a lot of work in. You hike miles, you do all the stuff, and then to walk out with nothing. You know, you're just like frustrated. I mean, I had a ton of experiences, saw a bunch of stuff. It, we had a great time. But you want the you want yeah. the crown, dude. You want the, you want the meat all yeah. year long. Just so imagine, anyway. though, if this was a situation where if you didn't kill that animal, you were starving. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you just you never you don't go home. You stay there until you kill You're something. Like, I gotta <laughs> I gotta eat. Yeah. That's well, what's wild to think about. I mean, you know, you're we're out there hunting bulls. I mean, I could have killed a cow elk first day. You yeah, know, but yeah, you yeah. gotta you gotta find that bull. You know, and they are a lot more uh, sketch this time of year. <laughs> They're not coming out so easily. But Let's anyway, see. yeah. I I got back yesterday. Uh, drove back home. Got cleaned up. And now I'll be depressed for the next month, but I'll try not to wear it on my face. It's nice. not, it's not you. It's not anyone else. It's just me and my, yeah. and my, uh, hunting trip that didn't go according to plan. I had a really good time though. There was an old friend that came with us from California and had some good conversation. I, you know, when you don't see someone for like seriously, at least 10 years, if not 12 or 13 people that I've encountered people that I've seen even more recently than that, you know, you after COVID and different things, they're just like different, you know, you, they think different. And I was so happy to like have conversation. Cause I felt like we were still like-minded hmm. on a lot of stuff. Um, like he's still walking with Jesus, which is a great <laughs> like thing yeah. to see. Um, and yeah, it was just, uh, it was a good, Good time uh, hanging with him. So mm-hmm. glad glad to report on that. His wife's amazing. They've got they've got young kids too. So anyway, had a good time. And uh, thank you for holding down the fort whilst I was gone. No problem, Rob. How about you? 
Uh, yeah, it was good. Good week. Um, we visited the uh, Swan Island Dahlia Festival. Oh, yeah, you went. Have you guys gone this year? Have I gone this year? I mean, we literally rode bikes over there yesterday, but we didn't like go to the festival. Mm. But I mean, yeah, they're popping. I feel right like now. they've yeah, expanded. my wife and kids went without me. <laughs> so sad. They had they had both fields like than last year. Last year was less, I noticed, than this year. This year they have like twice the field size, I think. Um, but anyways, we had fun, walked around, showed the kids all the flowers, almost got stung a million times. The bees <laughs> are everywhere. <laughs> Well, yeah, Wasps, there's flowers everywhere. Bees. They widened, they, they added on well, the I don't building, know. yeah? Yes. So my neighbor, beautiful. my neighbor, Ron, is actually like a architect designer building. He did all that. No, him. he didn't. Yeah. Wow. He, he like designed that and is involved in that project. It's not totally done yet. Um. So they've built this big, yeah, building, which they're going to move all their like gift <coughs> shop. And I think they're going to have more like food options available and things like that because they have like food trucks yeah um during the season and live music and all that kind of stuff so that's that cool was, that was pretty fun we hung out there and uh you know saw all the pretty flowers got some photos so that was that was fun uh, and then yesterday we had our first men's huddle no no with, no saturday sorry saturday i'm confusing my days so saturday before before sunday obviously you guys were not here. Cody, Aaron, uh, <laughs> we're away. Cody, I'm sure you'll tell us about what you were doing in a moment. But uh, we had a really good huddle. A um, lot of guys, Dan Garish, shared the word. Mm. Open up Philippians. We're starting through both men and women are studying through Philippians over this season. And uh, Josh Platt uh, shared his story. Man, it was just a good a good morning together of uh, you know worshiping and, and growing together. And connecting, met met a couple of new guys, been there for the first time actually. And then there was a lot of folks who missed it for one reason or another. They were out of town and stuff like that. So, but we had a good a good huddle. Sweet, mm-hmm. very cool. Cody, yeah, I uh, I had a good week. Little uh, we had youth group kickoff. Oh yeah, hanging out in the parking lot. We we just ate pizza this time. We didn't barbecue, uh, but that was good. Lots of. Uh, lots of parents came to, uh, we like when we, the youth ministry has stuff that involves the parents and we like that they yeah. the, show up lately have been, yeah, really excited to participate mm-hmm. in that type of stuff. We have a bunch of sixth graders coming into our middle school group, uh, which is also very fun. Very and cool. Then, uh, one of which is your daughter. Right? One of which is my daughter. Yeah. Which will be weird, but fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I was preaching and I played in my, my yearly round of golf. <laughs> uh, oh, with, uh, with Bruce? Yeah. And it got some Christian churches golf tournament. Right. Oh, you didn't go to the scramble, huh? At Frontier? I didn't. No. That's right. That's right. That nope. was fun. But I hit the range. I hit the range, I think, four times this that week. And still, like, instead of going to the gym in the morning, I went to the range in the morning. So it helped. We actually used some of my shots. I, I I stole the the closest to the pin on on one of the par three holes. I dropped a nice. ball, yeah, just like right maybe fifteen twenty feet from the hole. Nice. Uh, Did they have a which hole felt in one? really good to hit a ball straight <laughs> in the air. <laughs> Aaron Aaron played with me last year. To hit a ball straight in the air was an amazing feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but no, hitting the range this year actually helped a lot. I still hit a lot of bad balls, but I hit way more good balls than I've ever hit in my life. 
Um, nice. And you, you did so you did pretty well overall. Your team. Uh I think we were second. Nice. We well, so not really because we were two over, which in a scramble is like not very good because every shot you have four chances right. to get your best shot. So to like not birdie anything is not super good <laughs> you know what i mean you have four four chances to like have a yeah. good shot uh but we weren't we weren't bad we weren't bad at all right on i remember when the harvest golf tournament they had for as a fundraiser they would have a hole in one and then local dealerships would give a free car if you got a hole in one so they, they like would put their a bmw like on the green <laughs> And if you made that hole in one, not on the green, but like near, maybe near the tee, I don't know where they put those. They park them near the tee box when yeah. you hit. Yeah, you can like look at the car. Really, it's like an advertisement for totally the, for the dealership. But if you get a hole in one, which is like what? How many people hit a hole in one on that one? Hole? One in a, I mean, one in thousands. Yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, then you could walk away with a free car. So Gladstone needs to get on that level, dude. Where's the free cars? I know. Where's the free car? Well, it's not. It's just a. It's just a fun church event. It's not like a fundraiser. fundraiser. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Not like a. Yeah. Hey, but there's prizes. I got a prize. What'd you get? <laughs> uh, it was like a. It was like a. It's like a keychain. That's like a. <laughs> that's like a neoprene sleeve that you could put golf balls into cozy, with like little cozy. things you can keep your tees in. Oh, I think okay. maybe if you know which balls you want out, you don't have to dig around for them in your bag yeah, or whatever yeah. kind of a thing. This is cool. Yeah, that is cool. Right on. Very <laughs> cool. And uh, did you were you working on your sermon till late on Saturday? Dude, I was. Because, <laughs> well, this golf tournament went long. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, they always do. I don't know who was slow. Everybody. <laughs> Dude, Everybody was. I didn't get back to the church till five. And you teed off when? Eight. Oh, the, my well, the gosh. First, the first team. But there was only five teams. Oh my god! It was that's like terrible. It was a good. It was a good like six hours of of golfing, eighteen holes. It Whoa, was a, wow. every hole we were sitting there waiting, and then you and then you know that person would hit and you'd get ready to hit, but now they're in the fairway waiting because someone's on the green. You know, it was, it was that mm-hmm. the whole time. It was crazy. Mm. But <clears throat> yeah, so you got it. I have a question. So we so you preached on Malachi. Preached on Malachi, yeah. Did a little topical before we jump into John. Yeah. yeah straddling between our Timothy series yeah. that we just ended and then before we begin John this next week. Yeah. Um, I mean, even between Mo- Exodus and John too. It's a little bit like we were Old Testament, then we did New Testament. Well, dude, I mean that church. was I mean, this is it was that's a while like ago. that's like pre. I mean, that's a long time before Close. exile and all that stuff. You just know what I mean? Before the summer, but I'm just saying, like from Malachi, from Moses to Malachi is a long time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying because we're going history. into a gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like when we went through some Old Testament history. Sure. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean that is that's how I landed on Malachi. Yeah, I was going to ask you what what made that's you... how I landed on Malachi because I was actually thinking all the way back to Exodus, mm-hmm. and I was thinking of Exodus more as a study of God, like His character, who He is, what He does, yeah. and Timothy is more of a study of the church. A gospel obviously is going to be more of a study of Christ, right? And so that's where I settled more on a book that I felt like could be a study of humanity. <laughs> mm, yeah. Which those prophets, those minor prophets were 
revealing and talking all kinds of judgment and craziness yeah. to humanity. I actually looked, I was looking at Ezekiel first, because mm. uh, I just opened a book, uh, Michael Lawrence has that, uh, like, Biblical theology. Biblical theology in the life of the church or something like that, uh-huh. right? And so I just opened that up and started flipping through, like, okay, maybe I'll just come across some inspiration. And that's where I settled on this kind of intertestamental, like, right before that period. Um, and he had mentioned something about Ezekiel right before we hit this intertestamental period. And uh, and so I was like, maybe Ezekiel. But you start reading through Ezekiel, and, like, Ezekiel... Uh, like if you read more than four or five verses, something like way out of pocket gets said <laughs> where I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to preach on that by choice. I'm not going to preach on, you know, being standing too close to a menstruating woman or whatever. Why like, not? That's just like, like if you, if you read more than five verses, there's something extremely inappropriate said. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't stay there. So yeah. You, pastors should not be reading Ezekiel. Like it no. is, it is inappropriate. <laughs> no. For a pastor to spend any amount of time it's in that It's rated book. X. <laughs> well, yeah, we studied, uh, what, what text did you say? Ezekiel? Ezekiel, yeah. Yeah, I mean, both that and Jeremiah, right? These are just like the most depressing yeah. well, situations. Jeremiah, right. I think, especially. But um, So you chose Malachi, say it again, why? Uh, well, I yeah, essentially because it felt like it was hitting a topic we haven't necessarily been hitting on yet. Although every part of the Bible is going to have theology of God. Totally. You know, and in certain ways you could point it to uh, a theology for church, a theology for Christ. It can be found anywhere. Um, But it felt like this fit more into like a theology of like humanity itself, which felt like a different topic. But also, yeah, it's it's the last book of the Old Testament. And this week we start on the gospel when right. Jesus yeah. comes, you know, so it's, it was the last thing said and then 400 years of silence. And then the thing that was said would happen happens because yeah. there's Elijah there preparing the way, uh, mm-hmm. in the person of John the Baptist. Like we'll mm-hmm. see whenever we get there. I don't know. Are you getting that That's far? The first sermon. Yeah. Are you getting that far this week? Yeah. You're reading all of John one. Uh, half of John. Yeah, half of John. What, yeah. But but John the, the half Baptist. with John the Baptist. Prior to John the Baptist. No, I was going to no, say, no. you're stopping he's before. Yeah. Well, he's mentioned, but not like it shifts right. into John the Baptist yeah, the next week. More next week. Yeah, I figured it would be the second yeah. sermon, but I didn't know. Yeah, they like, I mean, he just makes honorable mention of John, like he's, but he doesn't like talk about John. What's funny about that, though, is I mentioned it in the sermon. Hey, we're about to go into... But what it says of John in chapter one, they're like, hey, dude, are you Elijah? And he's like, nope. <laughs> that's what it says. Yeah. So it's kind of funny for me to be like, yeah, Elijah, you know, that's John the Baptist. You'll see. You'll see. We'll get there. And the first thing we say about it is like him asking and him declaring, I am not. <laughs> I'm yeah. not Elijah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's that's not this week, but next week. Yeah. That yeah. specific comment. By John. Yeah. But, but then you're right. Jesus, Jesus says yes. Yeah, I mean, is. I don't care what John the Baptist thinks of himself. <laughs> Jesus says he is the Elijah who was to come. You know, right. specifically elsewhere in the Bible. What? What? Uh, had you ever ever preached in Malachi before? Not at all. Yeah. Not had you ever bit. like studied Malachi before? Not really. No, not really at all. Have you? So, what did you find like challenging? Or mm. I, and I'm not talking about like literary challenging. Because yeah. all prophetic writing is 
challenging yeah. in its in its reading, but in its content or subject matter, yeah. it, I felt like as I listened to your sermon, there were some things that you were personally challenged by theologically, uh, yeah, philosophically, um, yeah. That you know what I mean? Well, I mean, yeah. Honestly, the the topic maybe this is a bad thing that I'm admitting, but the topic of like some people are going to go to hell is is not a thing I like really go to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not Shocking. something I like to. Really? I mean, <laughs> I like to. You know, not no one likes to, but some. I mean, some people like to oh, fire and true. brimstone preaching. They want to go after it. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, I I felt very uncomfortable in it because uh, it just it feels rude. <laughs> right. You know, it feels rude or uh, yeah or um cold feels cold hearted to even be like yeah talking about this is the fate of some people yeah um so that was challenging obviously as i mentioned uh in my sermon the uh the like kind of lackadaisical half-hearted ways that these people were worshiping god with like the bare minimum they could find mm-hmm. uh you know could could challenge anyone right, when you right. think about the ways that like oh, I'm not really giving God the best of my time. Yeah, I'm giving God a lot of leftover. Yeah, I'm giving God a lot of like I wasn't going to use this for anything else, so now right. you can have it. Um, and so that that doesn't feel good when a mirror is held up to your face, right? On stuff like that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, Malachi is actually a very cool book. Like for you sure. could you could easily do a six part, seven part sermon for series sure. on it. Um, so yeah, what, what did you land on that? There were six parts or seven parts, six or seven dialogues, six. Yeah. I mean, cause there's debate. Gets, six or it seven. gets broken up different ways. I settled on six disputes, but uh-huh. seven or parts. six oracles. Cause the last or, part, I, yeah, I was saying a seventh part in that. I mean, there's a one sentence intro. You don't really need to say anything about that. Sure. But the last part, uh, I was thinking of as its own section. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think some people probably roll it into this, the other one. Yeah. And just have six instead of seven. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, but that, it's, it doesn't serve the same purpose. It's not a dispute as uh-huh. in there's this thing where God is saying like, you've done something, but you say, yeah, yeah. it's you've like a done this and there, and then you're, and then they question him. It doesn't always happen that same way. Right. Sometimes there's a double question. Sometimes there's a single question. Sometimes there's no question, but it's always, that he's made a claim and then he backs up his claim with some sort of evidence. Yeah. That happens six times. Uh-huh. It feels like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um you read that in the commentary? Several commentaries? Uh yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I'm looking at a commentary right here that says there's seven. What's uh, it say is the seventh seven disputes, seven oracles? Seven What's occurrences of dialogue. Seven occurrences of dialogue. Well, so yeah, I would agree with that. God makes an accusation and the people raise an objection and then God refutes the objection. Yeah. And he, anyway, he just gives verse references and those could be, you know, okay, well maybe that, that third and fourth one is actually one, you know, I mean, they could be reduced down to. Yeah. Well, and I think some of them, there's almost a double objection. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Like even when I said, uh, the one about whether the people have been faithful to him. Mm-hmm. Like there's the idea that they have been, uh, that they have been unfaithful to him by marrying wives of foreigners. Yeah. And right. so they're worshiping their gods. And then there's the fact that they are not being faithful to the wives of their youth. 
You could break that probably into two if you wanted to, especially the way they're interacting with each other. Yeah. But I rolled that into one. One, yeah. Yeah. Just of unfaithfulness, basically. Yeah. Um, (coughs) But going back to your, the struggle, right, of people thinking about people going to hell, because you started talking about how this is going to be a look of at anthropology. Mm-hmm. And I think you people, we don't want to go to two extremes where we look at ourselves or we look at others and think you are just worthless piles of dust. Yeah. Because that's not true. We're made in the image of God. Correct. Like every yeah. human being has value. And yet we don't want to say that we are amazing. Right. <laughs> you are yeah. like perfect in all your ways you know like you're not that you are dust right you are uh sinful depraved corrupt and anyway you're like all of these so we don't want to be so down on people that there's no redeeming quality because god obviously sees a redeeming quality in us it's his image in us and we also don't want to be so high on our horse that we don't see our need of grace and forgiveness and our own depravity, right? And wickedness and these kinds of things. Because what ends up happening there is A, we don't call out to God for grace, but B, we treat other people in their sin like trash and ourselves like we're pretty amazing. Can't you guys just, I mean, it's just basic self-righteousness, which in one sense is kind of what's happening in Malachi. Hmm. They're right. They're kind of like, they're a little good on themselves. Yeah. No, I'd agree little, with that. A lo- little low on God. Yeah. Where are you at? But then also really low on everyone else. Yeah. With the, Yeah. I mean, God is, God is saying, this is what you guys are doing. You're like, you know, you're not, you're not bringing the, the like finances in that we were supposed to have to be able to take care of everyone. You are not, you're not being faithful to your, your own wives. Yeah. And, and I, don't you know that I intended to, this is a covenant with me, with your wife, and mm. you've become, I've made you one, I've put my spirit in your union, and I did that because I intended you to raise godly children, and you're just walking away from it because you don't like it anymore. You're marrying other people and then worshiping their gods right here where you're supposed to be worshiping me. You're you're bringing this garbage sacrifices, that, and you knew. Like he, like he said, don't you know it's wrong to bring this? And yes, you do. Like you've been told, and you know that if you brought it to someone else, a human person that could stand right in front of you, he'd tell you this is garbage. <laughs> like, you know, and he's showing them that. And then they're just like, oh man, God blesses the wicked. And like, <laughs> like I wish, I wish the God of justice would come. And he's like, dude, the God of justice is coming. And he's coming for you. You're going to be found wicked. You know, like one of the, uh, one of the cross cross references, uh, that I was looking at, I didn't put in there is I, Isaiah 47. Um, uh, was it that one? Yeah, it, it says something about like that God is not going to keep silent forever. And he mentions this. Remember, they made offerings on the mountains and insulted me on the hills, and I will measure into their lap payments for their former deeds. Yeah, like, like you got you want a God of justice to come and, and to dole out payment for what people are doing. Like you are not going to be uh, on a nice pretty receiving end of that if that's what you're calling for but yeah but they so misjudge their own circumstance uh you know that that they're they're calling on god to do this while essentially insulting god to his face right (laughs) right right yeah yeah and i mean like all these questions 
you know, but you, you know, you've done this. And then, and then their response is, when have we done that? Yeah. It's like, are you serious all the time? And that, that, I mean, that's the anthropology that I think is relevant for all of us today. Like we just don't have the self-awareness yeah. to see where we fall short, which is, which is why we need the church. And, and when I say the church, I mean like a healthy church where if we call out sin or we see character flaws or we see things in each other, we're not trying to sin sniff. We're trying to help people grow. Right. Um, obviously we, we should have that position of ourselves. We're like, I don't always see myself clearly. And if I'm in a bind or if I'm, if I think I'm really great, I need someone to come in and tell me I'm, I've like got cream cheese on my lip, you know, like I've got flaws, even though I can't see them. Um, and and what this is why we need the church. And in one sense, that's kind of what Malachi is doing here with with the prophets and the leaders is just trying to help them see what their issues are that they they yeah. themselves can't see, and is ultimately leading to their their destruction. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, and that's he's specifically angry with the priests who are condoning and participating in the disobedience and the corrupted forms of worship that are taking place in yeah. front of them. And they're signing off on it. They're helping them do it when they should have been the ones guarding truth. Right. Yeah, right. He right. says about Levi, like you, I had, you were guarding truth. Uh, he guarded truth in his mouth. Like they should have been the ones guarding truth. And instead they're just participating, which I think is, is similar to us when we, you know, when we're in a non-healthy church that doesn't challenge sin, not sin sniffing, like you said, but, but <coughs> looking for the best for people and there's things where we go like, ah, I'm just going to like, that's not, that, that'll be for them. They'll yep. decide and, uh, and never challenge it. You know, yep. Mark Dever, as he was talking about this one, he was talking about the divorce one. And that's what he said. You know, how many of you know, you know, how many times do we have these divorces that aren't, they aren't based on any biblical reason to sever a covenant that you've made before God with another person. And your church just never said anything about it. Yep. Like you didn't mention the person. You didn't mention that the couple's no longer a couple. You just kind of ignored it and let it go. And 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 what does that what does that say about us? <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, <coughs> what it, it me. says a lot. It says that you're you don't really love them, and you kind of don't really love Jesus. Yeah. Because you're willing to see his name profaned. Yeah. And you, yeah, you just don't like. But a lot of their issue, which is why it's still a relevant message this book to us today is lackadaisical faith mm-hmm. and yeah whatever you know whatever if they want to do that that's fine whatever it's, yeah. their, it's their problem it's probably cool enough and it's like dude what do you like where is the longing you know like the longing for god's glory to to think and obviously this is what god is doing look at the way i've loved you look at this commitment i've given to you you know he's trying to appeal to their heart and their affections through their history. Like, look at all of the things that yeah. I've done. But look at the what, what you have done. And they're just, I mean, at some point, God, you know, then that message kind of ends with, I'm going to, one day, I'm going to come back and I'm yeah. going to make things right, yeah. which is a hopeful message. And yet at the same time, going back to your point, kind of scary. Yeah. Well, it's a, uh, we studied Amos together at the, at that conference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that big famous, like, let justice roll. Yeah. section of Amos, which Amos is kind of almost the epitome of God, like 
making it very clear to, that these people have broken the covenant. Oh, yeah. Like the covenant blessings are not coming to you. You've yeah. broken this covenant, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Amos 5.18, he says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? <laughs> it's darkness. That's what yeah. it will be for you. Like, you, right. why would you want that? Why are you asking for the day of the Lord to come? Right. You're like, it's not going to be cool. Right. <laughs> and that's why it's a great and a terrible day, right? <laughs> like but it says here in Malachi. You were saying you struggle with that idea, and it it should be. I, I think this is where our framework of understanding hell, God's judgment, the day of the Lord, these kinds of things. Like when we tell someone you're going to hell or hell is the destination for those who don't believe in Jesus, it, it is the same thing. And you guys would totally agree. It's the same thing of me walking up to my daughter and saying, why don't touch that fire right there? What are you doing? Don't touch that fire. That fire burns. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, don't walk up to the stove and touch the hot, hot fireplace. Like, that is a loving thing to say mm-hmm. because the fact is that fire burns. <laughs> like, touch it and it will burn. If, to tell someone about hell as you see them walking headlong toward it, is not unloving. It is not judgmental. It is not uh, accusatory. It's not. It's revealing. Yeah. This will burn, and it will be God's justice, and there will be no like, whoa! I was. I didn't see that coming. Like it's when it happens, all will be revealed, and you will see. Oh, dude! I deserve every bit of this. Yeah. It's our job, right, as evangelists, to communicate that truth, the day of the Lord, right? The, the, the grace, like, cause this, this whole part at the end, right? Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord gave attention, heard it, blah, blah, blah. They will be mine. They will be my possession and I will spare them as his man spares his own son. There's, there's a group of people who are going to be yeah, spared, right? This is a great thing. Mm-hmm. You want to be one of these people who are spared yeah. because then the difference is the fear of the Lord. You actually feared God and lived that out. The ones who do not fear the Lord, maybe they assume they do. Maybe they feel like they know him, but they don't, or they know things about him, but they don't know him uh, relationally. Like they're, they're going to, the, he, through the whole book so far, he's already given them all of the, all the evidence to prove that they're getting what they deserved. Yeah. And they're not going to, they're not going to be able to say, God, you were unfair. God, you, I don't, I didn't deserve any of this. Yeah. They're, they're going to be surprised that it didn't come sooner right. in in the end, you know, yeah. like how, how did you let me go another day knowing all of the things I know now, you know, that's, that's the, but that's a hard, yeah. it's a new, it's a new way of thinking, right? Yeah. But well, I, I think what makes that even harder is the idea presented here that this is going to be a terrible day. They're going to burn it, there'll be stubble. There will be nothing left, not even a root or a branch, nothing for them to cling to. Yeah. And But you are going to feel healing. You're going to feel at peace. You're going to be leaping for joy. You're going to be dancing. They're, the ashes of those burned are under your feet as you're running around like a calf let out of the stall. You know, like that idea, that's like, uh, that feels a little far. Like, cause that's yeah. not, I know hell's coming from you and I hope you don't get it. That's feels a lot like I'm glad that some people are burning right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And and that's where I said, like, that's where I feel the most conflict. For or sure. I feel the most conflicted. And I, and I think it, it shows, uh, and I said this, but maybe I'll expand it a little bit. I think it shows how little we regard sin. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the rebellion of uh, the the ruler of everything who created everything, the rebellion against that entity is, is not taken seriously enough by us. And I think once we are in the presence of that, because he made a way for us to be counted righteous, to be able to be holy and sanctified, when we're with him, I think we'll understand how like egregious sin yeah. really is, how egregious rebellion really is. And we will feel joy that anyone who was still doing evil was put to death, was stopped from like that, that sin is not happening anymore, Man. that evil is not happening anymore. And yeah, I, I wish that was everybody, but if it's not everybody, I'm glad that they're not doing that stuff anymore. I'm glad they're not putting the destruction of sin out into the world anymore because it's finally been stopped and that will be joyous for us, even though, and, but that's where it's like, I just have to trust that that's how it's going to feel mm-hmm. because I, yeah. I can't imagine feeling that. <laughs> you I, I know mean, what I mean? It's not it's not that hard to feel that because <laughs> I, I, even now, honestly, it's not that hard to feel it because you were talking about the sin against God. Like, like we we diminish or we minimize the, the uh, depravity, right? Like the extensiveness of sin and how much sin offends a holy God. But sin in this context is not only just against God, it is affecting fellow man. That's why he's saying you will be, you who are oppressed, you who are um, the ones who are experiencing the negative effects of sin. Not yeah. It isn't just God, it's his people, those who fear him. Yeah, victims. Victims, are, they're, they're experiencing mm-hmm. the sin of other human beings, right? And so those are the people that he is going to, they're going to they're gonna run free right they're going to run yeah. joyfully because they've been set free they can, i mean jumping out of the what is this cattle jumping out of the pen or something yeah, like that calves the calves young, jumping young out bulls. i mean they're going to skip out when they come out of the stall i mean coming out of the stall they're set free yeah you've right? been contained in this thing yes. that is not allowing you to live your fullest life. Right. And all of a sudden the gate swings open. Right. What's the calf dude? It's like, this is rad. I got all this field. I can jump. I can run. Totally. And that's what it's going to feel like. I mean, there's, there's so much, uh, in, in American culture, I feel like, and there's the people have talked about this in different ways where we actually minimize, um, like just how cruel the world really is. Yeah. And like if obviously like there's some sectors of society that know police officers, some, I mean, sometimes like paramedics, first responders, and certainly people in the military, I mean, they are staring at depravity all the time, right? They, they see how far man has fallen from God's ideal. (laughs) We were just, we were just talking to a lawyer who said his, his, his wife has to remind him all the time that like people in the world have conflicts and they talk about it and work it out. 
like you get to see the worst of people who are suing each other. Yeah. Right. And that's what you work on. But most conflicts people can just talk about and work out. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like he, he said, his wife reminds him because he's just like, why do people do this to each other? But there's, yeah. but like that line from the Batman movie, right? Like some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. I mean, there's some people who are just so, so wicked. And sometimes you see it ca- like d- portrayed in films and you watch these films that are just, horrible right like the the stories they tell of something that happened to somebody right and maybe there's a, a redeeming quality of it or something like that but you see that and and then there's like redemption usually through some form of justice that takes place and you're like yeah yeah that character in the story deserved that right. yeah. everything that came to them that happened but like if we had a friend you know or or even happened to ourselves or some radical injustice was done to us and our family like you see some of these court cases where like I, I, I saw one where, um, you know, a, a parent's child was murdered, you know? Yeah. And and the, the person was completely, I don't, I don't want to use the word unrepentant, but like just didn't care that it happened, you know? And you're just like, oh my gosh, this person is sick and twisted in the head. And, but we're so like, unless we're watching it on YouTube or on TV and putting ourselves in that courtroom, we don't know how wicked the world really is. We're so yeah. insulated in our little yeah. bubble sometimes mm-hmm. here. And yeah. we think the world is all safe and it's 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 not. And so then when God is like this, hey, all of that evil, you're gonna you're gonna run on it because I'm gonna make it ashes. Yeah. It's all gonna go away, you know? And you're like, heck yeah, I can run out in the it's like we think about our kids can't ride the bike, their bikes in the street. <laughs> I'll never forget when I moved here to Canby, I saw kids riding their bikes in the street and outside and no parents outside. And I'm like, dude, you would never do that in Riverside. No. Have your kids ride around like your your six-year-olds just riding bikes in the street? Like never. You would be scared to death. Someone's going to pick them up. Yeah, and I'm aware. What is this town that I'm moving to, I where kids some, can feel safe riding their bikes? Dude, this is I wild. Saw, I saw some like ten year olds riding their bikes, probably 10, 11, 12 year olds riding their bikes in Portland by themselves, and I was like, freaking somebody, out. Somebody, somebody like a safe person, come get these kids. <laughs> yes, you know? like what the heck? Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> I, I just, the, but those are the things that we think about because we've, we know the reality of the world out there, but. Anyway, I, uh, that's the kind of stuff that I think Malachi is addressing there at the end, where he's like, you're going to, all those things that are against you, that you're, this is somewhat of the same message of Revelation, mm-hmm. right? When you get to Revelation, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, the, the persecuted church is basically God's message to them is, hey, endure because justice is coming for those who oppress you and who persecute you. And my righteous love for you will be vindicated through my judgment of them. And, and you will see their destruction and you will rejoice over it because your oppressor, your oppressors are destroyed. And that's, that's obviously a hard message in one sense. Like we want to love our enemies, but at the end of the day, like we want this evil to stop. Yeah. And I look at our world now and I'm like, God, God sees all of the evil dealings in politics, in business, in whatever, all of the things out there that we don't know. And we're like, what's going on in our world? God knows. God knows it all. And he's going to expose it and, and he'll deal with it. 
all the injustices that benefit one social class and oppress another, he's going to deal with all of it. Yeah. And I mean, that's on a social level, but on a spiritual level, those who are oppressed and yet love God um, are going to see vindication mm-hmm. for yeah. their, for their uh, being victims of, uh, of what this world brings against them. Right. And anyway, it's, it, I think on some level, the more you think about it, it makes, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense, but yeah, I mean, I could totally ima- imagine like dancing on the ashes of like human traffickers. <laughs> you know what I mean? For real. But like my brother who's like rejected God, rebelled right. against him and, and, and right, sees right, no right. need for a savior. Like that's where I'm like, I, yeah, I'm not going to feel that way about him. For sure. Facing judgment, well, you, you know? Now, but that's because... Yeah, and that and that's what I'm saying. Like, right. somehow it will be revealed to me that even, like, my brother's sin, just like my own sin, right, was enough, like, to be, like, a, 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 a horrible source mm-hmm. of evil in the world uh, that, you know, that was right to be just put away and done with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's where it's, that's where it's harder to imagine it, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Just the, like the basic moral person yeah. who doesn't do any of those yeah, like grievous sins. Moral person. Yeah. 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 yeah I yeah. think that's where, that's where it's harder to feel. And that's what I mean when we, like when we are at peace with a holy God, I think we'll see it very clearly. Yeah. For sure. And, and that's where there will be no doubt whether someone deserved the the sentence that was given to them by a holy judge you know yeah like we even though we if some of it feels crazy right now some you know somehow in that day it, it, there will be no doubt left whether god's judgment was justified or not justified right well and I, and i think for the moral person then we need to take this letter this book of malachi to heart in regard to its strategy because these were like slightly moral people I mean, they were making sacrifices. They were just trashy. Yeah. I mean, they were like, I mean, yeah, there was sin in regard to unfaithfulness and these kinds of things. They were bringing in offerings, but they just weren't like great. Yeah. Um, They weren't saying they didn't love God. They're like, what do you mean? How have we not done that? Yeah. It it wasn't, they were like slightly moral. They were just like half-hearted, lackadaisical, um, apathetic Mm -hmm. in their faith and practice. And he's indicting them on that. And I think we need to take up the spirit of Malachi, yeah. even in our own ministries and in our own relationships. And I mean, he's confronting these people yeah. and and doing it sort of like, thus saith the Lord, but I say to you, um, and then confronting them on their apathy. And I think we should think about it that way with even the moral person, right? Yeah. Right. That's, that's, I think, one of our issues as an American church is we speak to people who are like clearly way off the rails, but the person who's like not that far off the rails, but still kind of a good moral person, we don't really like confront them in their morality or their moralism because they're not hurting us. You know, they're just like being good and, and no big deal, you know, like, but even that person needs to be confronted just like Malachi is confronting them here in, in regard to evangelistically or discipleship or these kinds of things. Yeah. But anyway, that was the question. Um, you know, what was it? It, it seemed like that was probably the most challenging uh, message yeah. in Malachi that hit you. Yeah. As I was as I was For listening sure. to you, like, 
I mean, as as we should. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that's the you shouldn't struggle with that, or any Christian shouldn't struggle with that. Yeah. But it's not a topic we typically wrestle with. Mm. And then you open a book and go, cool, I'm going to look at Malachi and see what he has yeah. to say to God's <laughs> people before he, like, goes silent for 400 years. And he's like, justice is coming as it's going to suck for you. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you're going to, and then, but the Lord's people who fear the Lord, they're going to be happy about it. And it's like, what in the world? Yeah. And it's, it, it can, the theology of the Bible. Yeah can somewhat catch you by surprise sometimes, you yeah. know, like oh, for what, sure. what it actually says yeah. is kind of shocking. <laughs> and when you study it in its, yeah. in its, in, in its right interpretation, right. You could find some way around this all day long, but if you're, then you're just reading the Bible wrong. Right. <laughs> um, yes. Right. <laughs> I had another question. What was my other question? How, so your main point, remembering God's word, and hoping in his judgment sustains a, I'm assuming you did sort of like a, uh, you right with God life. So yeah. a righteous All life. Hyphenated. Yeah. yeah righteous. You're, you're trying not to be unclear to the, to what, someone is, what is the word righteousness? Righteousness. Yeah. I went with right with God life. And that, and that's where honestly, Rob and I were talking about, that's where Th- that was a bigger struggle, not in a, a like, what does this mean about God sense in a, how do I preach this well sense? Because I kind of didn't really know what I was getting myself into when I just chose the end of Malachi. Yeah. Because to preach <coughs> the end of Malachi well, you really need to look at Malachi. His and argument. So, uh, yeah. And so what I, what I ended up with, you know, I, I picked something and I started a sermon. And and I do a, a a lot of prep before I actually even write anything. Sure. And so then I was like, as I'm prepping, I'm like, okay, well, here's my main point, and I have my main point, and like basically, as I'm finishing writing, <laughs> like like it's done. I'm looking at it, going like, my main point is kind of like the main point of the second section of the end section of my sermon, which is a sermon about all of Malka, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like my main point is still a perfectly good main point. And and here's, I guess, another struggle that maybe, I don't know if it's interesting for people to think about either, is I'm preaching from the Old Testament. And so my main point, you know, I had to do some kind of like logical jujitsu there because my main point really is that Jesus sustains righteousness. Sure. Uh, but like, that's not being said quite yet. And so like, I basically, I've, I made that main point because I do feel like the end is, you know, the law and the prophets is a summary of saying like, this is like, remember God's word, remember his laws, do his laws, remember them and, and behold, Elijah's coming. He's preparing the way. So that day of the Lord is coming. So as we think about, all of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, as we think about them, that should be the way that we keep doing what these people back at verse 16 were doing, fearing the Lord and speaking to one another. Like that's our righteousness being sustained. But even that doesn't really sustain it without Jesus who can actually do it and impart his righteousness to us. Mm. So it was kind of like, here's my main point. 
but also like my main point is about Jesus that you don't sure. see in this passage yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was kind of tough to like m- hit the logical flow because as I was researching and writing, my logical flow wasn't necessarily what I thought I was preaching Mm -hmm. to start, if that makes sense. Were you, let me just get clarification. Were you saying your main idea mostly came out of just the whole, the whole book's main idea? No, my, my main point is the section that I said was our passage, but then it ended up being a sermon about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, but really, honestly, the main point is from the end of our passage. Mm-hmm. Remember the law of the servants Moses, statutes, rules I commanded him at Horeb all of Israel. Behold, I'll send Elijah the prophet for the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And I'm saying remembering that law and hoping in the prophets foretelling of that awesome day of the Lord coming is something we need to do continually to sustain right living, righteousness, yeah. you know? Yeah, your your main point, would you say... Rob, that that's kind of a imperative or an indicative, um, you know what I'm saying? I took both. It's rem- more of an I took both. Remem- it, it feels imperatival. I took both. Remember. I right? took both. Remember, and I took behold to uh-huh. be imperatives. Both yeah. of them similar. Remember, so like recall what your task is. Recall the laws you're supposed to be living by. Recall and obey. And then behold is to like look ahead. So it's almost like look back and look ahead. And as you do both of those, remembering what God has done, remembering what God is going to do, like it will sustain you because what I think we see of the like human dilemma is even with our best intentions, as time goes by, we're going to become more unfaithful. We're going to become more apathetic. Mm, We're going to become more begrudging in what we have to do, the ways we have to obey, the ways we have to worship. And we go like, does God really need my best lamb? Or can I just give him this one? Because I like my best lamb, you know? (laughs) Uh, And that's like the human condition is like, even even when we've been chosen by God, even when we've been extended his mercy, like we can't really keep that going very long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so the continual reminders to ourselves it helps sustain, but ultimately those continual reminders are going to, we know now, we're always pointing toward Jesus who can actually do them and mm-hmm. can actually offer us mm-hmm. his righteousness. Yeah, it's this is an interesting section for sure because yeah. it's almost like he's saying, like, fear the Lord. It's almost like that's kind of the thing he's driving yeah. them, like he wants them to do. Yeah. But he's also saying, hey, there's going to be some who don't. And but he's he's kind of calling them to do to to fear the Lord, those who aren't fearing the Lord. Yeah. And as you pointed out, remember the law of Moses, he said is in verse four of chapter four. And then uh, his judgment is basically the whole book. But beginning of chapter four, the day is coming, burning like a furnace. Um. Because when what you say is sustains a right with God life, a righteous life is essentially fearing the Lord. Right. Yeah, and you're yeah. you're walking in his statutes, you're in right. relationship with him. Um, you're not doing all of the things that he is indicting everybody else on doing. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good, like, if you want to live a life that's right with God and sustain a right with God life, then you have to remember God's word. Like, what does it actually say? And then hope in his judgment, <laughs> which is an interesting thing. Well, yeah. And that's where, that's why it required teasing all it all out. Teasing yeah. that all out because we're hoping in his judgment because we are in a position where his judgment is going to be a good thing for us. Right. Mm. But his judgment if, is not a good thing for, for all because the, you'll see there is a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. You're going to like, he, you're going to finally see it. I'm like the, the wicked don't benefit. The wicked don't come out on top forever. Like there's a day when I act. And so hoping in that day, we're going to celebrate that day. So, you know, but you have to be in that position with God. You have to fear the Lord. You have to be in that position with God to be able to hope in his judgment because we are hoping that his judgment is going to be a great thing that we benefit from, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. um, But you can't hope in his judgment if you are on the, you know, on the... uh, yeah. The receiving side of his wrath. Well, people who do not fear the Lord, right. in other words, aren't worried about the judgment, you yeah. know, basically, will suffer the penalties. And those who do are worried, and then they have a right understanding of who God is. So that whole term, fear the Lord, you got into a few definitions, I think. A little um, bit, yeah. But it's definitely one of those concepts that's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around. I yeah, the like. joy of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. Uh, you know, there was a good, a really good book that is just biblical paradoxes, like finding wisdom in biblical paradoxes, mm. and uh, and joy, the joy of the Lord and the fear of the Lord, or like I like I said, Warren Wearsby wrote the book. He called it the joyful fear of the Lord. Uh, you know, is one of his is the the first paradox in the book that he that he wrote about oh, wow. paradoxes. Uh but yeah, so he uh definitely there's some very interesting ideas in there. I mean, obviously the, what comes to our mind initially when we think about fear um is danger, you know what I mean? But it's strange because you think of like 1 John where he says there is no fear in love, perfect love casts out fear. The one who fears is is thinking about punishment. Um, you know, then of course we see all throughout the Bible that the, you know, like the Proverbs are, are full of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yep. And of course here in Malachi, he's saying those who fear me are the ones who will be able to, you know, the sun will rise and with healing on them and that kind of thing. So it, it's hard to understand. Obviously the fear is, is a reverent, um, reverence for God an understanding of the power that he has, the position that he is in as a creator. Um, and the people who do not think that, you know, he is not the creator. He will not judge, you know, like, and they have the freedom to do as they wish. And as a result, end up oppressing others, harming others, um, or harming themselves and that kind of thing. And that leads to yeah. the sadness and destruction. So he has to come and make things right. Um, I don't know, but that was always something that puzzled me as I've been studying <coughs> the Bible, you know, as a younger Christian. And now the whole concept of fearing the Lord and having a right understanding of that. I think the the quote you you said from Dever, which was from an earlier commentator or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was like some old, like really long ago, a guy wrote a sermon, Reverend something, blah blah blah, on Psalm like Psalm thirty six, I think something like that. 
Mm. Yeah. But mm. what was the quote? It was like the, the fear of the Lord is a fear. Uh, the way Dever said it is a fear. I think that, that, that mutes all other fears mm. or yeah, the, the original quote was that a f- the fear of the Lord is a fear that silences all other fears. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, like I, I think I understand that to be true in that, uh, you know, I am a, uh, what's the right word for it? I'm, I'm like hyper aware of the way other people are perceiving me. And I w- like want to kind of massage the truth sometimes or, or hold back a little bit because I'm afraid of creating a conflict, which again is like another way of describing why like bringing up that someone might go to hell mm. is so uncomfortable because I'm like, are they, uh, you know, uh, you're, <laughs> you just said it last week that people like to be liked more than they like you. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like that describes me in the way that I will not tell someone a hard truth for fear they will be upset at you. But I should be a lot more afraid that they're going to hell than afraid that they will not like me after this conversation. You know what I mean? Uh, Like that is... Which is is just a a possibility. It's not a reality. It hasn't even happened yet. They may may totally thank you for it. Yeah, true. You're just like... Great You're point. just afraid that it may happen. Yeah. And so the fear of the Lord, if if that was the biggest fear I had, right. would lead me to obedience in going and making disciples of every nation, mm-hmm. baptizing in the name of the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If, if the fear of the Lord was driving me to obey his command to, uh, to evangelize and to disciple, then the fear that someone might be upset about it would be falling away, if that makes sense. And I think that comes in so many other, Mm -hmm. so many other ways too. Yeah, for sure. The fear that I won't have enough money, you know, right. It dissolves when my biggest fear is, am I following God's plan for my life? Sure. (laughs) You know, like those types of things. And that's where like, uh, in, in Romans there, when Paul lists all the different things, he says, like all the different sins of the world and stuff. He says like, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Like that's yep. his, de- that's his description of why they would live like that, why they would act like that. Mm-hmm. You know? That's right. Yeah. I actually found a lot of, well, as I scanned through Malachi, I'm like, this is similar, you know, dialogue sort of language that Paul does in Romans. Mm, yeah. You know, he does, yeah. he kind of does that like rhetorical yeah. device question thing. Some will say this. You yeah. might say this. Yeah. 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 I say this, but then you say that, and then he responds or whatever. Anyway. Yeah, do, sorry. Dr. V. Raymond Edmond, former president of Wheaton College. Hmm. Wheaton. The fear that casts out every other fear. That's cool. Yeah, I, I loved in chapter two, I think <coughs> you quoted this, um, when he's talking about this covenant, you know, with the Levites. Yeah, really cool parallel. It's such an amazing verse to understand this concept. My covenant with him, and he's speaking about Levi. We're talking about the people of Israel generally, right? No, he's talking about the Levitical covenant with the priesthood. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me, and he stood in awe of my name. Yeah. So it's like, it's a covenant of life and peace, and then the next sentence is a covenant of fear. And so somehow those two things, life and peace, 
they seem in our minds totally opposite of fear. Mm. Yeah. But then the next verse clarifies and says, he was in awe yeah. of my name. So that helps me, I think, a great deal to understand the concept. So that was a really helpful yeah. reference you made. And I yeah. know that's in, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. The, the, he's a, God is saying, not just as a covenant of life and peace, but I'm, I gave them to him through the covenant. So this covenant where he fears and is in awe of me, I, I am returning his fear for me. I am returning to him life and peace, like his experienced, uh, you know, his felt experience of this covenant of fear is feeling life and peace generously mm. given from God. And because, yeah, we, we're thinking of fear as terror a right. lot of times when yeah. that, that's not the way the Bible's trying to use that word for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we are Deep. right about an hour. Good sermon. Deep waters. You. Let's go. <laughs> it was fun getting into a minor prophet, though. We Dude, oh, absolutely. Often. I would love to dig into Malachi more. There's so much interesting things, and in there's yeah. so much stuff that, uh, that yeah, that we can. I mean, I like that'd I be a, that'd be a good summer series. The Book of the Twelve. Do all the minor prophets. Oh, Do one one be, prophet a week. It wouldn't no. take the. Oh, it would take way more than the summer. Twelve weeks. Yeah, that'd be hard. That'd be hard to week. do a whole sermon on each minor prophet. Like, it will yeah, just one sermon. I mean, Cody do what, do what you just did on Malachi. Yeah, I mean, I, we could restructure it, make it more. I'd know. pick like one minor prophet and do it every summer for like. Oh, that'd be twelve years. Yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't be bad. You're set for the summer, dude. But you get to like Jonah or something, and it's like everybody loves Jonah. Four weeks, it's over. You know, one month. Yeah, that's true. Daniel obviously is a much longer book. You'd have to really massage that thing. Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> we're not doing that. Yeah, dude, you could do it. <laughs> 10 sermons in Jonah. Dude, but nah, you know what? Dude. I Like, I read the entire book of Malachi. In minutes. It's two yeah. pages. It, yeah. It's, it's like, nothing. it's, it, yeah, I think there's a, uh, a a list online of how long it takes to read every book of the Bible. Malachi is listed at 11 minutes. I, I mean, I sat down almost every morning when I was preparing, I sat down and just read it out loud. Yeah. I don't think it takes 11 minutes. No. <laughs> but it's like, it's just so good. Like, as you read it, you know, like when he gets to that spot where he's like, oh, if they would just shut the doors of my temple and not like bring it, you know what I mean? Like when you hear that, there's no way for that to not challenge you and think about like, am I bringing my best to God? Is God ever just kind of like, man, I wish... They would have just shut the door before Cody arrived this week because all these, you know, like I mentioned, like uh, I and, and I literally I read the schedule. Seahawks had a 10 a.m. game and I was like, that's cool. I'll watch it during second service. And then I was like, crap, I'm preaching. I mean, that, <laughs> that was a that's pretty funny. serious admission you made. You're like, I'd rather cancel second service and watch football. <laughs> Dude, I already got permission from my wife that when they when they play Thursday night football, we can have a fellowship night for life group. <laughs> I already got permission. That's wow. not, that's not a, no, nope. that's not a, uh, that's not like a Sunday morning. Well, worship, but that's, know? if it falls on the calendar that way, I never agreed to, to get, the calendar. I never agreed to give God Thursday evenings. <laughs> this is like an extra thing I'm doing. Living sacrifice every moment. <laughs> oh every my moment. gosh. You did when you came on staff. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. All right. Let's uh, move on. All right. Here you go. Do we have this? Yeah. Uh, what? What are we doing? Oh, volunteer of the week. Volunteer it's been a while. Volunteer of the week. Uh, volunteer of the week this week uh, is going to be Josh Platt for sharing Give it his up. testimony. Give it up. Oh, wait. What was <laughs> that? <laughs> I hit the wrong button. <laughs> Josh Platt. I was like, whoa. Thank you, Josh. Um, 
Josh Very cool. is a uh, new uh, family of the church. They've been here about a year-ish, a little more than a, little, a year. Yeah, a little less. But maybe? they had their son, Hudson, who's uh, he's about to turn a year. He's uh, 11 months, I think. And they came like weeks before he was born. Yeah. And then we're obviously, you know, taking care of him for a few months early. Anyways, so Josh has been here and um, starting to get involved, helping out and stuff like that. But specifically, he dedicated a lot of time this week to thinking about how to share his story with the men of the church. And he also uh, was a part of a few of the donation drives we did. He ended up getting some like a bunch of like baby stuff for Hudson that he didn't end up needing. I think it was like, you know, so he had all these really nice baby items and he donated them to the church and then the church, we took him over to the pregnancy care center. So him and his wife are generous that way. And so anyways, give it up to Josh. He's a, a good dude. Um, if you see him around, give him a high five, tell him um, he's the volunteer of the week. Yeah. I missed his testimony. So maybe uh, if you're like me, maybe you need to, you have the manuscript, the copy I do. outline. Yeah. I do. Send it over. It's not oh, long. there you go. Yeah. Or maybe you just need to buy that guy a cup of coffee. There you go. And oh, ask, that'll ask, happen. Ask him about him yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, for people generally in the church. That's true. You know, like you can thank him and they go, hey, I didn't hear your story. Yeah. Let's go grab coffee. Cool. Uh, well, congrats, nice. Josh Platt. Yep. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Sorry I missed it. It's time for Bible I got it. No, you don't. What do you have? Oh, Aaron's taking it. Oh, okay, did fine. you have go a good ahead. one? Go ahead. Go ahead, I got sweet, sour, bitter poison. Whatever. This is my secret. Sweet, sour, bitter. How does that connect to this I'll take text? sweet, sour, bitter poison what for 200, profit? please. <laughs> Malachi. Sweet, sour. Malachi. Bitter poison. Um, This one, I'll, we'll start with an easy, easy one. What prophet ate a book and found it sweet? Oh, why is that? I'm drawing a blank on that. It's is it? It's Isaiah? Elijah. Elijah. Mm, gr- nope. <laughs> Elisha. <laughs> what either. prophet? Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Yeah. Ezekiel. I'm giving us the want want for saying. Honestly, three I didn't, wrong. I didn't want to say Ezekiel because it, we had talked about it earlier, and I thought Aaron was trying to trick me. Mm. But that was my initial thought. But then I. Who, I haven't read his here, Here's while. another slightly easy one. Who posed a riddle uh, about finding something sweet in a lion's carcass? I know this one. Easy. Easy. Super easy. Go for it, Cody. It's Samson. Samson. Yeah, he it. ate the honey out of that lion. That lion ate was like full of bees. He ate honey out of him. Oh. Out of something strong, out of something strong comes something blinking. sweet or something yeah. like that. The Riddler, um, dude. That's where they got <laughs> the, the idea. The Riddler. <laughs> Uh, I've got a riddle for you. Um, let me see here. Okay, no, the last one. We'll do one this. more here. Yeah, riddle me this. Riddle Out of something this. strong comes something sweet. See, this is the prophet I was thinking of on this other one. What ate a book? Who ate a book that was sweet at first but turned bitter afterwards? Ooh. Dude, I don't know. I'm already drawing a blank. <laughs> was it one of the three that we already said? Who ate a book that was sweet at first oh, I but think turned bitter afterwards? Wait, isn't it? John in Revelation. John in Revelation. Okay, yeah. Nice. I got it. Yeah, yeah. That was a, that was an interesting Killing one. It. I remember when we studied Revelation because he he's basically just citing a similar thing like Ezekiel, yes. right? Yes. Um. Yeah, I read this book called by Eugene Peterson called "Eat This Book." Yeah. And it was nice. like it was weird. He kind of just did a spinoff on that idea. But anyway, good job. Good job, everybody. I redeemed myself a little bit.
Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org. Thank you.